Hello and welcome to Wednesday morning. It's just gone 9.02. Uh, it is Andrew Levy and Rory Sang Shavalala in studio for the first time on a Wednesday. How's it feeling? Yes, yes, you're not even on. Okay, let me try that again. Don't worry, we're not going to speak Zulu the whole time because that's about as far as my Zulu goes. And that's actually <laughs> as far as Rory's Zulu goes as well. Raw, uh, give us a little bit of spice. What, what happens in the show for the people that don't listen uh, normally and uh, who, who are only tuning in now for, for the Konza show? We, we get into the texture of, of the news, you know. You can, you, you can tune into any talk show and hear about... People talking from their heart, from their heads, uh, about what's going on in the news. We go deeper, um, into what's going on in the hearts and the minds of, of, of people. So it, it's really, it's a show that, that goes behind the story. We speak to very interesting people, people who can give us the backstory, you mm. know, what's, what, what was happening. So people generally, they tend to analyze the news. We go into what is happening. Uh, what happened when the news was created? That's, that's a long explanation. Eh? <laughs> We're gonna have to work on that elevator pitch. Listen, I must apologize. Uh, my voice is uh, almost completely gone. Winter is here in South Africa. It's freezing cold, and uh, I've picked up something that makes me sound a little bit more like a gremlin than a human being. So uh, I do apologize about that. Let's just talk quickly about the news and and what's going down in your mind, in your in in your view. What what are some of the big stories that 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 well, have interested you over the last few weeks? Interesting. Here, the the apparently the Wits, the the SRC leader of Wits has been removed. Um, this is the guy who said he Hitler admired. Is, but yeah, 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 he said he admired Hitler. Now, the interesting thing about that is that uh, they're saying that it's not because of his Hitler comments, uh, but it's because of things that he did, misconduct, as they call it. But this this misconduct happened a year and four months ago, and by some strange coincidence, uh, they found it uh, they found it good and just and right to get rid of him. Right now, well, that's the thing. The, the, uh, the vice chancellor, Professor Adam Habib, said that it's not because of his hate speech. Although, to be honest, maybe that's the reason he should have gone. But it's actually because he he punched a professor. Yeah, but the question, a year ago, the question is why now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is it is it because he upset uh, he upset the Jewish community that that now it becomes important to remove him? So. Yeah, that's an interesting story. I think uh, what's also interesting there is, you know, the powers of a vice chancellor to remove an SRC leader. So how independent then is the SRC if vice chancellor can just, you know, assume he feels that you didn't speak to him correctly uh, in some negotiations and he just removes you? It's an interesting one because if I if I think of it from a business perspective, which you always do have to think about these kind of things, here's a guy that uh, is the head of the CEO of the business of its and uh, he's got a mid-level manager who's who's out of hand. Surely he should have the right to fire that guy. But he's not a manager. He's not managing the SRC. The SRC is an independent uh, body. Is it independent uh, though? Because yeah, it, it represents be. WITS, right? No, it represents the students of WITS, right? It's like a union. It's a student union. Oh, now it. Oh, you see now, Lori, I get scared <laughs> when you start talking about unions. All right, what else you got? I, I like the, the interesting one for me uh, that's been developing is that the Gauteng finance minister 
being fired for misappropriation of funds. 50 million uh, went to an IT company for very fast internet. That's yeah, well, fantastic. Well, it's, the, it's, it's, it's not the minister, by the way. It's the head of, it's the head of the finance department. Uh, apologies. Yes, yes, what, yes. What, what's, what interests me about that story is that, you know, for a change, you know, how often in South Africa do you hear of somebody getting fired for corruption? It's, 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 it doesn't normally make the news. So that was quite interesting. Um, why this particular story makes the news? Why mm. this guy? Uh, are there more people that are busy getting fired? And of course, uh, some of the big headlines from the weekend's papers that continue in today is uh, the Minister of Sport looking like an old grandmother at uh, the Pacquiao fight. Did you see what he looked like? It was it was actually hilarious. <laughs> he had these like big, big celebrity glass, dark glasses on, and he had this hat that made him actually look like a woman. Shame. He got a lot of stick for that. Uh, and of course, the other one is the DA sex scandal, mm. which I think got us thinking about this whole thing which we wanted to talk about today, which is the media bias. Yeah. It's taken us a while to get there, but we're here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Raw, the, there was a lot of discussions uh, around Adrian Basson's comments on uh, our friend uh, uh, Fikile Bolula. I see in the Soweto, and th- there's some big headlines about Fikile as well today. But then the DA sex scandal, the sex ring, started to to make its round. Must have been the ugliest sex scandal ring I've ever heard of in my <laughs> life. But it was very quiet. Yeah. It was really, really quiet. So, w- why the difference? What happened in terms of in terms of that? Like. W- is the media biased? Like, what's going on there? What are we exploring today? Yeah, actually, I mean, th- this really came up uh, when, when, when our guest, who will be coming on later, Kay Sukhwale, uh started to raise this issue to say, why, why do, is the media so focused, uh, it seems, on whether uh, the minister went to, to, to Las Vegas on his dime or, or, or the government purse, which, which he felt was wasn't as big a story at that time, like this DA sex scandal, mm. which she seemed to be implying that if the ANC was having a sex scandal, it would be treated a lot more aggressively than what, uh, than what it's being treated now. And, and she seemed to also imply that the media, the media seems to have treated the DA with soft gloves. Mm. So it, that, that obviously, that, that got us thinking. We started speaking about it, you know. Is the media biased? And, and on top of that, so it's one thing for the media to be biased, but are we brainwashed? Yeah, I think that's the other very interesting question mm. is where do your preconceptions come from? Listen, we want to hear from you as well. Uh, give us a shout on WeChat. Uh, there's, there's a few messages coming through now, and uh, we want to hear from you as well as Twitter at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y or at Rorisang Shabalala. At Rory Shabalala. Ro- you know I get it wrong every time. Rory with an I. Rory with an I, but how do you spell Shavalala? That's the name. Everyone knows how to spell Rory. Uh, if you're, you're not South African, if you you're not South African, if you don't know how to spell Shavalala. All right, give us a shout. We want to hear from you. Uh, are you brainwashed by a biased media? Where do you find that uh, you've you've actually found yourself wanting in, in in that space? Is there is there a question mark in your mind where you're like, geez, I am biased? We're gonna look mm. into that by ourselves as well. Like, where have we been biased? Um, and mm. maybe you can uh, relate to some of those to some of those questions and thoughts. Yeah, and all. Also, and also, you know, the, the thought that you're thinking, I know we think that, you know, this is my thought, I'm thinking it, but the thought that you're thinking, is it, um, is it my thought or, or is it a thought that's been planted by, by some commentator and so on? And the role of commentators, I mean, we speak about it all the time, Andrew. The commentators are just ordinary people just like me and you. They mm. just happen to have a platform to come and speak. What makes them so anointed? I mean, some of these guys speak and it's an opinion and all of a sudden it becomes, it, it becomes treated as fact. So we want to examine, you know, how, how, how easy is it to, to be manipulated? 
Well, someone who does get uh, hot under the collar is uh, a lady by the name of Kay Sechwale. Uh, she's on the line uh, from Joburg at the moment. Uh, Kay, good morning to you. This is a, a subject and a, and a matter that is very close to your heart, a, a biased media. Just give us your initial thoughts on that. Morning, guys. No, I think I think that um, the media in South Africa, the print media specifically, happens in the internet media happens to be quite biased and quite negative about um, about South Africa itself. Not only government, but um, you know um, what things, events that happen in South Africa, and they do shape perception strongly, sir. And um, they create a very negative environment within our society. And some radio stations as well go out of their way to perpetuate that negativity. Oh, you, can't say, sure. you can't say some radio stations. Let's name and shame. Let's talk about okay, it. If, if you're going to put yourself on the spot here, your, your 140,000 Twitter followers, they want to know which I radio stations you mean. Let's talk about that. Which radio stations are you talking about? There are some uh, radio stations that are in the public arena and where they allow for callers and callers to air their views. And there's nothing wrong with that. We must know what people are thinking. But I also think that there's a particular responsibility that is uh, that, that should be placed on um, commentators such as, such as yourselves. I hear you talking about commentators, but that's what you are too. You shape you mm. as, uh, as radio show hosts. And it's the manner. Sometimes it's not even what you say, but it's how you say it. Okay. Um, is the influence of, 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 let's say, the white-owned media exaggerated, you know, given the SABC's dominance, particularly over radio, which is uh, perhaps the most important uh, uh, platform uh, and, and channel? No. Mm-hmm. No, it's not over-exaggerated. Let me tell you why. Yeah. Um, you, have, uh, you, you have the SABC uh, putting out um, putting out information as the public broadcaster. Now, their mandate is very specific that they need to inform the people and they're supposed to be unbiased and they're supposed to, um, you know, spread the word as far and wide as possible to keep people informed about what's happening in South Africa. They manage to do it in a way that doesn't fester this negativity. But unfortunately, human beings are attracted to negativity. But hold and on, Kay, so, hold on. Are you saying that, they are, that the SABC is unbiased? I'm saying that the SABC reports the news, they put it out there. What I will admit uh, personally that I find them biased towards is, is what um, is, is the prominence of space given toward certain issues versus other issues. So, for instance, they um, give a lot of coverage to government to be able to communicate government programs. I don't have a problem with that because I think that people need to be informed about what's happening, what the government is doing. Now, on the flip side as well, um, you also have opposition parties, for instance, who will complain that they don't get coverage. Um, and, and they don't get coverage to, 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 to air their views. I think that has been addressed. I have been watching the SABC closely. So, okay, let, let's, let's go back slightly to where this, <clears throat> this issue started. Um, mm-hmm. Adrian Basson um, tweeted the Minister of Sports um, asking him effectively who paid for his his flight, or raising the question of who paid for the minister's flight to Las Vegas uh, mm-hmm. to watch the fight, um, and you took exception to 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 how it seemed like 
uh, they were focusing on that when they should be focusing on the DSX scandal, which you seem to imply was a bigger issue. Can you t- take us, you know, what's the problem exactly here? And, and why do you think that tweet, uh, or why did that tweet actually set you off on, on this topic? I don't have the tweet in front of me, but what I can tell you about that tweet is that there was no question mark. Adrian made a statement, and he made a statement that is quite defamatory towards the minister. In fact, I don't understand. I'm actually wondering if the minister is going to take it up in other platforms. And when Adrian asked this question, and the minister fobbed him off, uh, basically told him to go, you know, go jump. What I found interesting about the interaction is that Adrian then turned around and demanded answers as a journalist. And you, you guys and I both know that that's not the platform for a journalist to send questions officially. Mm. That is a social platform. So now to demand answers because you're a journalist, quite disingenuous to have that sense of entitlement on a social media space. So just as much as he feels entitled to make statements, the minister is also quite uh, correct in responding as he sees fit. I might not like his response, neither may you or Adria, but at the same time, we need to afford him that space to say, yes, he's there it, on social media. We have access to him, but he's still a human being as well. They right. are official channels. <clears throat> So let's just, let's just bring, let's just bring, let's just bring the listeners up to date. Adrian tweeted, the minister of sport is in Las Vegas to watch a boxing match. Wonder who paid? Full stop. Hope not the public purse. He's probably guilty of a little bit of English grammar problems, uh, because it, 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 there probably should have been a question mark there, but, but, Kay. He's an editor, it's inexcusable. Uh, <laughs> Kay, people make mistakes, but I'm not, I'm not excusing his yeah, behavior, he made but. A statement. Has the government not earned such questions, Kay? I mean, we've seen in the past, um, I think it was Lindy Wesesulu, she was using public purse to get from Joburg to Cape Town on a private mm-hmm. jet, costing us X amount of money. Uh, we see uh, Umanga Meli, president, um, buying another private jet. So now he's got two private jets. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to bring up in Kandla, but has the government not earned these questions? And should they not be asked and answered? I mean, imagine the minister just said, you know, I have a right to enjoy whatever I want and I spend my own money on it. Full stop. End of conversation. Mm. Absolutely. And he has every right to respond as he sees fit, but he also has a responsibility when asked a question. He was not asked a question, a statement was made. He has a responsibility then as a public official to set the record straight. However, then, then, then let's also talk about journalism then. If, if Adrian wants to use that platform as a journalistic platform, he, he knows very well who the spokesperson of the minister is. Had he gone to the timeline of Esetu Hassani, he would have seen that this issue has been addressed. Where Esetu has said, uncategorically, that the minister is paying for this trip himself. And Adrian also knows that, there's a, also even if he feels that uh, Esetu has lied, he also knows that there are processes within parliament where the minister must declare any gift he's given by anyone, and where also... Um, he's obliged to then answer questions in that platform there as well. So what I find disingenuous about the manner in which um, which Fasson treated this matter as a grandstanding sort of issue was that he was trying to just um, paint in the statement that he made, paint this particular minister as corrupt. So whether he may be or he may not be, that I can't answer. But I also feel that it's extremely disingenuous to put a statement forth in that way and then pretend if you're asking a question and then hide behind journalism when you know that as a journalist you want to scoop, so you'd rather call 
the spokesperson and they can get a, a, get a direct answer, even call the minister himself. Phone Rome, I'm sure. Okay, is this sloppiness? Uh, is this just general sloppiness, or do you think there's a that there's a, there's an actual agenda or organized bias uh, by certain There's an organized bias. There's an absolute agenda, organized bias. Why do has done it before. He's done it before. In um, after after the State of the Nation, you remember the whole fiasco there, that whole stuff up. I want to use the other word. Um, <laughs> stuff up that happened in the public space. The the subsequent um, uh, account of that, so sort of like a public accountability platform that was given to a province um, uh, was was the state of the province in Gauteng that happened a couple of weeks after the state of the nation. Now there were there were disruptions in that particular uh, state in, in that particular address that the premier gave, but um, the media was given the space to report on this fully without any bias with the media gallery. Um, within within the precinct state. And media, about, there was about 30 seats in there. Media was packed in there. Then the overflow, because there was, because of the, because of the interest in Gauteng, there was an overflow area um, that was provided because 90 people responded to the invitation to come to the State of the Nation, 90 media people. There was no state in the 30-person media gallery. Adrian Basson actually went out of his way to claim to cast expression to claim that media were, were kept out. So he's talking about these 60 people who were put in the overflow area. Mm. Whereas there were cameras, it was live. It was broadcast live on ENCA. It was broadcast live, live on, on SABC and ANN7. So what do you mean that the media is not allowed to broadcast this or to or is not given the space to inform people? Mm. So it's just that general sort of negativity <laughs> towards government, even where it's unnecessary. All That's right, what I take exception to. So then, but then the DA scandal, they ignore it. They pretend it's not happening until, until uh, social commentators, as you call us, actually force the issue into the paper just by all the comments that we make. All right. Uh, if you've just joined us, it's gone 20 past nine. Uh, we're speaking to Comrade K. Sekhwale. Uh, she is a... Social commentator, what do you call yourself, Kay? I mean, the, 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 I don't even know what to call you, but, uh, uh, <laughs> political activist about <laughs> speaking to her a little bit about is the media biased? Um, Kay believes that there's a huge media bias, an agenda, as she says, on uh, WeChat. Some, some messages coming through. There's, uh, Yolo says all the media should, uh, be covering a story and asking before they cover that story, is it news? And most importantly, is it true? I think there's some, some value in that. Kay, I mean, we saw in Parliament um, some interesting, uh, there were some drones flying across so they had to mute uh, the radio thing and uh, kill the, mm-hmm. the antennas and I mean, come on, there's got to be a part of you that's saying, geez, there is some, there's some weird stuff going on here. There, there, there feels like government does not want us to hear the, the entire story. No, the, the state of the nation thing that happened was like a complete stuff up. I was there. I was sitting there and I'm like trying to tweet and there's no signal. And I was among the people who were shouting, bring back the signal. That's, that, that, that is not okay. But don't create a situation where one terrible misstep by people who sit in parliament is then cast across the board and everybody is just dealt with in that, in, in that manner in which, and, and I'll go back to Adrian Bassan the manner in which he dealt with the state of the province advert, for example, and just made a whole um, storm out of a teacup, the manner in which he dealt with Mbalila now, with this issue of the travel. 
And he knows that there are ways and means for him to find out if the minister declares. The minister is obliged to declare any gift. I'm not sure what the amount is, but any gift over a certain amount. He's obliged to, to, to declare that. So, 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 okay, you, you, you definitely, what you, you're saying in no uncertain terms is that Adrian Basson in particular um, is biased. Um, yes, using the auspices of the South African uh, National Editors Forum, um, on, on which he sits, and he actually sits in quite a senior position, he uses that. He used that for the SOPA. Mm, so at least now, in his, he, he, he did this other thing in his personal capacity now, but he can't. So, so I mean, on Twitter, you you said to us that you know the question that needs to be asked then is what agenda drives white-owned media. So, what what's the agenda that you think is driving Adrian um, and white-owned media in general? That that's that's change resulting of government. In this? Mm. Change of government. That's the agenda. Tell us more. I see a very concerted effort. It's a DA-controlled media, and they are using it. And I'm not even I'm not even saying they shouldn't. Because if, if they have that at their disposal, because this is the media that they owe, then by all means they must use it. But they must actually be, they must be honest about it. Like you have in the United States and the United Kingdom and, and other mature democracies where you have newspaper, um, a newspaper company saying, I am pro-Republican. Fox News says that. They don't even hide around it. In fact, they find the Republican Party um, not conservative enough for their liking. Okay, and I mean, they actually declare that this is who we support. Mailing Guardian, for example, um, had a call to action just before the just before the election to say don't vote for the ANC. But they're not saying who's behind the call for this. As in, who is it that they are supporting when they say don't vote for the ANC? I think they're well within their rights to say whatever the hell they want. But they must also be um, they must also be responsible enough to tell us, okay, so this is who we support and this is why we drive this particular agenda because we want a change of government as the DA or as the whatever. I think there's some validity in what you're saying because, uh, you know, the, the uh, European, mag- you know, European media at least, they, mm-hmm. they declare their, their bias. Um, they say that exactly. we are this and, and therefore this is the promotion that we will have. But, okay, I mean, I need to just ask the question, and I'm not an expert here, but I want, um, mm-hmm. maybe you know a little bit more. I mean, TMG, uh, Times Media Group, they're, 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 50% black owned by the PIC, that, which is government, uh, government led independent newspapers. That's Second Jalo. Uh, that's Iqbal Survey. Um, we know NASPERS. Okay. So we know NASPERS is, is NASPERS. Um, ETV, uh, is supposedly owned by the miners. I mean, who knows if that's actually true. Uh, but there's a lot of black owned media in the space. Why do you still think that there's this white agenda? Because you can own, but who drives who drives things within the organisation? So take, take Prime Media for example. Prime Media has um, quite a large shareholding of, of unions as well. <laughs> here we go. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so I'm making an example. So they have um, a, a, an ownership um, that is structured across the board with different um, shareholders, including unions. But who's managing Prime Media? Who's their day to day? But why? For instance, same yeah. question I can ask of CMG as well. Who is he? Look, look at NASPERS. So look, look at the titles under NASPERS. Who runs them? And I'm not talking about the editors. Mm, mm, mm. I'm not talking about the editors. I'm talking about the, you know that layer above the editors. So what? They drive the agenda. Why are the large? Go black... find out. I'm sorry. Sorry. Why okay. are they? <clears throat> why are sorry. the large black shareholders then keeping quiet uh, as all of this is yeah. happening? 
because they don't they don't editorially interfere. Mm. But the editor reports to somebody. Mm. It's an interesting one, Kay. I think we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for your thoughts. You can uh, catch her on Twitter as well. Give us your Twitter. Yeah, give us your Twitter handle, Kay, because people My people Twitter love handle. you. Yeah, give it. It always changes. <laughs> give it to me quickly. People sweetie, me. Yeah, sweetie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My Twitter handle is at Kay at Kay Sekhwale. Thank you so much for joining us on Cliff Central. Kay uh, has been a broadcaster in her own right uh, a couple of times with a, some different media houses which she's, uh, which she's uh, pointed fingers at. So uh, she's got intimate experience with these guys. Uh, Kay, thank you so much for joining us and uh, we look forward to more on Twitter with you. Thank you so much, guys. You take care. Ciao now. It's Kay Sekhwale. Interesting. She's talking about this layer above the editors. Can't really mention who those people are. They seem to be like this phantom layer. Uh, very interesting thoughts and, and process. What do you take away from that? Yeah, look, the ownership thing is, is quite interesting. But, you know, the, 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 the issue still is still that there's still a lot of black-owned media out there. Um, and, and, you know, all of this is not being driven just by the white-owned media, at least in my opinion. Um, so you know you, you don't you generally don't see this polarity where you see that the Naspers uh, Media Twenty Four stable is carrying news in this way, and then you find the Sekunjalo guys, uh, Independent and so on, are carrying news, or TMG are carrying news in another way. They generally tend to follow the same the same line. So so the issue then is you know is the is ownership really as significant, and do the owners really? influence it to the level that we think or is there something else and and what about i mean you've got at city press you've got a black a black a colored a colored editor um at the sunday times you've got a colored editor as well so those are quite influential platforms mm. where you've got these uh, but they still carry they still break news that that might be, seem to be critical on um on on the government and the anc so well we remember the the, the, the painting City Press got themselves into a bit of trouble mm. with, with uh, the Zuma painting, the Zuma painting right. and then they took it down. So were they being soft-handed on 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 the government and the ANC? Yeah. Now look, who owns the City Press? It's owned by Media Twenty Four. Media Twenty Four is owned by Naspers, which is regarded as an Afrikaans establishment, right? So, so it it is a complex one, I must say. All right. What I wanted to do now, Raw, with you is. I've got some headlines that I wanted to change slightly, alter, and see what kind of bias comes out of that. So headlines that you've seen in the newspapers over the last little while, um, and if you change them slightly, how that affects your opinion, what are your thoughts, what first comes to mind? Let's test our own biases here. Mm. Um, I'm thinking, uh, do you think of gender? Do you think of race? Do you think of religion when I read out these, these kind of headlines? I know you've got some as well. Mm. Um, so let's see how we go here. Of course, join the conversation at cliffcentral.com on WeChat. We're available. 0861555189 and you can hit us up on Twitter at yebo underscore levy or at rori shavalala. Have I got it now? Got it. Thank you. Yes, finally. Fourth show, Lucky. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter. Tell us your thoughts about the media bias and what you think when we talk about uh, these headlines. I'm going to start with an interesting one. What comes to mind when I say this? Okay. First things, Rory. First things that come to mind. Okay. Yeah. African boy electrifies his house. Electrifies his house is the first thing that <laughs> – how do you electrify a house? As in as – in, as in, uh, get electricity yes, into the house. Yes, yeah. He electrifies yeah, his house. I, I don't know. She's my I'm, just, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing a rural. I'm seeing a rural black 
kid who is smart enough to have connected wires and brought electricity to the home? Okay, that's good. That, that's exactly what I thought. Mm. In fact, it's actually Tesla Energy and uh, our friend uh, Elon <laughs> Musk there. Not, not many people know this, but he is yeah. South African, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. he was the guy that started PayPal back in the day, a mm. uh, hundred and fifty million dollars worth, mm. and uh, fifty million of that has gone into Tesla Energy, which is basically electrifying homes through solar energy. Yeah, that was recent. Ah, that thank was, you, that thank was you. I like that one. That okay. was announced recently. But uh, you know, do you see the bias? I mean, immediately African. It's all. It's true in essence, but the bias is immediately towards towards something. Let me try you with 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 one here. You can try me. Let me try you. <laughs> let me try you. <laughs> uh, let, let me let me try you. So, fifty uh, six year old woman sticks tongue down twenty eight year old's throat in front of eighty thousand strong crowd. What's the first thing that came to mind? Fifty six. Yo. I mean, I know. I know the story, but, um, I, <laughs> I see a very old white woman. That's, that's what I see. Um, sticks her tongue. This feels like a Daily Sun headline, to be honest. Eh? Really? It feels like a Daily Sun headline. I think I know the story, well, but the it story, feels like a Daily Sun headline. The story was carried in international press, right? Madonna, Madonna went and kissed Drake, um, at Coachella. And listen, to be honest, if Madonna kissed me, I'd be super stoked. <laughs> oh, she's so hot. She, yeah, she's so but hot. you don't think that you don't see Madonna as fifty-six years old, eh? So, so uh, that's that's one. So again, biased age and so on. Which type of people? You said Daily Sun people. And actually, interestingly enough, when you said fifty-six-year-old, because I knew the story a little bit, I thought Madonna. But actually, it's around. Actually, it's around. I I would have said a man kissing a woman, and actually, that's not the case, right? Mm. It was a woman kissing a man. So there's a bit of a gender bias there as well. Yes, 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 yes. All right, I've got a one for you. Extremists board plane to join ISIS. What are you thinking about? Extremists? They board a plane to join ISIS. What are you thinking about? What's the first things that come to mind? Yeah, I don't know. The Islam, I don't know. Okay, carry yeah, on. Yeah, what Muslim, are you thinking? Muslim extremists. Um... Yeah, that's 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 the first thing. I How just old think, are they? I think Arab, are they male? Female? I think young male, young male Arabs um, from where? Um, from the Middle East. Okay. Yeah. So this is the story that broke today. Another young teenage girl uh, was stopped boarding a plane to Johannesburg from Cape Town to join ISIS. This was 15 days after the first girl wow, so. that uh, we mentioned. Um, jo- Tried to board a plane. There mm. was another girl. She, this time from Grassy Park in Cape Town. Wow, wow. Right. You see, and and what do we think? It wouldn't happen. And yet. why is this important? Like, why mm. why is it important that these biases come through? I mean, the fact that you said Muslim extremist. I mean, isn't that a problem for us? Well, we don't read. That's the thing. So most of the time, we just look at a headline and we and and we already reach conclusions. So the issue is that all of these headlines are subliminally affecting how we see the world. Um, you know, we won't read all of the stories, we won't get the detail, but immediately I just think, oh no, you know, uh, those Middle East people and it doesn't involve me. And then you realize, no, wait, it's actually on our front door. L- let me try you with, uh, with, with the last one. Uh, <laughs> you can try no, me. No, 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 maybe, 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 maybe the last two. So 20 years into democracy, SABC is too black, says COO. Oh yeah, I saw this. Is this true or false, Andrew? I saw this. Yeah. Is this true or false? Is this is this a, a lie or is this or, or is it true? Well, the <laughs> I don't know enough about the CEO, the SBC no, board. But, you, but your first instinct, my inclination is that yes, 
it feels like the board is black. I don't know the numbers though. No, but do you think do you think that this headline is true? Or did did this actually happen? Did the COO say that the SABC is too black? I'm not sure, man. Uh, it first, sounds, your, it sounds like it's rubbish. It sounds like <laughs> someone's cooking up a story here. <laughs> well, actually, it's true. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the CEO apparently said that 20 years later he'd like to see more white people, particularly at executive level, at the SABC. Which I think is lovely. Yeah, yeah but it's good. But you see how you challenge that. It's almost like, you you know, that, that, can't, that can't be, be true. Yeah, that yeah. can't be true. No, no, that's and rubbish. And that pains. And then we ask the question, why? You know, why, why, why did that immediately sound like rubbish? Well, I think it's because, I mean, I'm biased towards all these, these, uh, negative connotations that the SABC board doesn't care about itself. It's very government influenced. Um, it doesn't care about the people that it serves. Um, do you in think, this country. do you think the government is anti-white? Because clearly you, you, you feel like, you feel like it's nah, something, I, that, there's something wrong with, nah, I, with somebody I, saying that, that, an, that an institution of government is too black. A lot of people say the government is anti-white. I'm not, I'm not on that train. I, I don't think they are. I think that for too long we've had too much pro-white. So when you take that away, it feels like there's a bit of a vacuum. And yet you reach the conclusion that yeah, you're right. And yet you reach you're the conclusion right, right. that this must be rubbish. Damn, now you're calling me a racist on air. This is I ridiculous. did not say that. <laughs> okay, last one, last one, okay. last one. HIV positive people to be marked near genitals, um, whether they're HIV positive or not. Do you think that's true or false? No, that, that can't be true. That cannot be true. You sure? They're marked. Yeah, so, so there's a law that's been passed by the South African government that uh, HIV positive people no, will have no, tattoos no, 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 no. of whether they're no, HIV no, no. positive to protect, to protect uh, the people that they, they have intercourse. I can't with. believe that. You don't believe that? I don't believe that. Well, here's the interesting thing. It's not true, but um, a lot of the African media carried this as a front, as a headline story, and it was reported on as if it was true. So, so, and this was in the height of xenophobia. So, mm. so what the rest of the continent is, is, is thinking out there is that there is a law in South Africa where HIV positive people have to, have to have their, 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 their members, um, tattooed. <laughs> their members. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know how they would do that. That's, uh, that's another question altogether. We're speaking about media bias on cliffcentral.com. It's uh, Andrew and Rory. Uh, we've got, we spoke to Kese Khwale, a political, uh, commentator in her own right, I suppose. She has some very view, big views about media bias. Uh, someone else who's got a uh, big influence in this space around media bias is uh, a gentleman by the name of Chris Vick. Uh, Chris is a self-confessed spin doctor on, uh, on Twitter. He joins us now on the line from Johannesburg. Chris, good morning to you. Well, what's the thing about being self-confessed? I mean, you make it sound like I'm a drug dealer. <laughs> well, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to talk about those allegations, confess. Chris. <laughs> I, I don't confess to being a spin-doctor. I am one. There's nothing to confess to. Chris, it's very interesting that you, you, you make, you say it makes it sound like a drug dealer. Nick Dawes, uh, the editor of Mail and Guardian had some very colorful things to say about you, which, which might... Before he left the country to go and live in India. He was very scared of you. He was very afraid of you after that. Which, which might make drug dealing seem tame based on what he said. So, (laughs) well, uh, let's talk about it. Um, No, he was very flattering. He said I sell, um, shit rappers bonbons. I I mean, that shows that I'm doing my job (laughs) very well. Delivering bullshit wrapped as bonbons on behalf of politicians, parastatals, and private companies. It's delightful. I put it on my CV. I mean, I couldn't think of a greater compliment <laughs> from an editor of, of a newspaper with a history like the Mail and Guardian for, to actually say that I'm good at my job. 
Thank you, Vic. On on LinkedIn, you've got Chris Vic endorsed by Nick Dawes. Hey, like that's very nice. <laughs> <I like> that. <laughs> oh, there's more. I was called an old white hack by a very large of Fitz Press. I was called unspeakable things by Mwangi Makane when he was editor of the Sunday Times. So, Chris, so the, all these people, you know, they can't be wrong. I mean, how all these people are saying all these wonderful things. <laughs> okay, you are being biased. In terms of, <laughs> you are being biased in terms of what you mean. So what, You're so being what, biased in terms of what you think a spin doctor does. You're being biased because you believe the editors <laughs> of newspapers who print corrections week after week after week. So I, I admit it. I, I'm biased. So what is the truth? Uh, try not to spin the truth. What is the truth? What, what are you? What do you do? I, I, I'm, I'm paid money by business people and politicians to present a particular version of the truth which suits their interests. That's the best way to describe it. Because the truth is subjective. You can look at one issue from 50 different angles. I help journalists and the public to look at it from the angle that my client would prefer them to look at it. So are you in the business of manipulating the public? No, I don't manipulate the public. I rely on the media to carry the messages that I put out. So they, in effect, are the ones who are manipulating the public. But I don't assume that the public are dumb, you know. I mean, I think people can make up their own minds when they read newspapers, watch TV, or even listen to little internet radio stations. They have the ability to decipher and make up their own minds. That's point number one. But point number two, your own definition of what's truth and what's biased and what's important depends on who you are. I mean, I was listening to a bit of the conversation earlier in, in my Maserati, and I, I think the conversation around <laughs> what what is newsworthy and what is not newsworthy is very debatable. If I'm a member of the DA, which I'm not, right? But imagine I was I was that desperate that I joined the DA, <laughs> and, I, and I heard about this anonymous email about some of the male leadership playing Game of Thrones uh, with some of the women membership. <laughs> I, I could either choose to disbelieve it, I could believe it and interrogate it further, or I might think it's a non-issue. And, and so I think, you know, I don't think we should assume that people can't make up their own minds for starters. Secondly, everything is biased. I mean, it's a bit of a tough question to ask, is the media biased? Of course it is. You know, they're all, they're all commercial ventures. Even Cliff Central would like to make a profit one day. And what you need to do is find ways of generating content, whether it's news, information, opinion, education, that brings in money. And the way that you do that it defines what you find newsworthy and what you don't find newsworthy. But, I think it's human nature. But Chris, if 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 people can make their minds up about these things, why 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 are why are government and corporations paying you so much money? Um, you know, to put out, I mean, it's, it's not as simple as just typing up a, a press statement, asking them what's, what version of the story they want out and then typing up a press statement. Uh, you, you know, you sit down with them, you strategize and so on. If, if it's just a matter of a, let's put a story out and let the public decide, uh, why are you paid so much money to do what you do? I think precisely because there were so many different perspectives on a particular issue. I mean, if you, if you look, we were talking about the Minister of Sport earlier. And the fact that the editor of Beale had been sniping at him on Twitter, right? Now he, the Minister of Sport has his own interpretation of who paid, uh, where he stayed, how much it cost, etc. Somebody who is not in the Ministry of Sport would have a different perspective on that. Uh, somebody who's the editor of Beale would have a different perspective on that. Another minister who wanted to go but couldn't go would have another perspective on that. So there are people who believe that it's helpful to have someone like me around to tell their story. It, with a particular emphasis, firstly, but secondly, to tell it in a way that journalists will understand and accept. 
And you, you might find it hard to believe, given your quote on next doors. But a lot of it depends on one's personal integrity. If I'm someone who goes around packaging shit in, in, in sweet wrappers, sooner or later I'm going to get caught out and I'm not going to be able to do my job. So in a sense, I can't afford, I've never lied to a journalist. I might not have told the whole truth, but I've never lied. But in a sense, what your job is, is to emphasize particular issues so that those, those emphases are carried through in the way that a matter is covered. So just give us a little bit of understanding in, into into your job as a, a media persuader. Let's call it that. Are you are you phoning up journalists and saying, listen, here's the scoop? No, I, I, it's not. I mean, I think this sort of scoop thing is, is, is coming out of Superman comics, Andrew. I, I mean, I think essentially what happens is if an issue arises and a client feels that it needs to be explained in a particular way, I will spend time with people. I mean, they tend to prefer alcohol coffee so it's, it's generally done in places <laughs> with a liquor license and and essentially it's about giving context and they, and they understand that i'm that there's an emphasis on it and i represent a client i'll always declare my interest i'm working for so and so there's a particular issue this is how they see it right so there's the initial discussion and then there's there's either the provision of information maybe a statement a fact sheet or some kind of documentation that's substantiated and then it's up to the journalist. The journalist can go to five other people and get completely different versions of what's going on and can write that story or report the story the way that they do it. I try and keep track of issues as they go through newsrooms. So I talk to news editors a lot. I talk to editors when I have to. And I talk to the reporters because, you know, even even if I spend an hour with a reporter and he or she is nodding in, in excitement and agreement, it still goes through a whole lot of checks and balances and the bias prison that you were talking about earlier before it ends up in the paper or on radio and TV. So it might make page one, it might never make it in, into print, it might be completely distorted or different to what I'd hope to achieve because the journalist talks to other sources. They, they You know, it's not, it's not a mechanical process. It's not like making sausages, although sometimes the newspaper feels like it's a bit of a sausage. There is a whole lot of process of checks and balance and the very bias that you've been talking about. You know, I mean, if you if you go into a newsroom, it's middle-class people working in a middle-class part of town earning middle-class salaries. They're going to apply a middle-class bias to what they see. So if you're representing a big corporate, they're going to be suspicious of big corporates because, ooh, big corporates are evil, right? They're going to go for the little guy. They're going to try and show the underdog in a better light. That bias is applied, and that goes with the territory. That's the way that it works. Now, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you, you know, if you're willing to declare your clients, why don't you just declare who you're working for right now? Because it would be interesting to hear those Cape Town client names that you've got under your belt there. But let's take that off, offline for a second. I want to understand. No, 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 let's take that online. The reality is I have, <laughs> I have, I have confidentiality agreements with all my clients. Right? So you can't declare Pardon? then? No, I can't. I don't. But you just said you declare, would declare. I, no, I will declare it to a journalist, but I'm not going to tell you now I work for company A, company B, company C, company D. If I'm, if I'm representing a client, either an organization or an individual, I will say I've been procured by such and such a personal company to do the work. This is what I do. I see, I see. And I, because, because I think it's dishonest to do otherwise. You know, hey, you know, I was just walking down the street and I came across this amazing piece of information and here it is. I mean, I, that's wrong. I, I don't do that. I do declare one-on-one to journalists what I'm doing. Chris, if if what you're doing is honourable and is not manipulative and so on, why if 
Hey, no, I'm asking if if it he's is biased. He's biased. No, no, no. Hear me out. If if it is if it is honourable and so on as you say it is, um, why then the confidentiality? Should it should not be? Should a company feel ashamed of 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 retaining the services of? No, I, I don't think they ever do. I think they're very upfront. They tell their shareholders. They tell their directors. They tell their staff. There's no. There's no secrecy about it, right? Mm. But the reality is that they also want to know that one is not going to go around screaming from the rooftops, hey, I work for the SABC or hey, I work for Cliff Central. Mm. It's, it's like having a lawyer on board. It's like having any kind of legal advisor. We work in a similar space and there are degrees of confidentiality. But the key point is I would never misrepresent myself to a journalist about mm a client that I was working with. I mean, I, I sometimes write about media issues, for example, in Daily Maverick and, and Business Day and, and other places. And I and if I was to write about a client that I was with, well, firstly, I wouldn't want to write about a client. But if I was, I, was, I would make sure that there's a disclaimer at the bottom of the article that I work for a particular organization. I think it's it's crucial to, to maintain one's integrity in that kind of situation by not getting into conflicts of interest and declaring where you do have a vested interest in a particular issue. Chris, you spoke about media bias earlier, and you said obviously people are biased. Where's the line? Is there? Is there? What's the the good way of handling this? Is it is it the European way where the, the newspapers and the media actually declare their bias um, and say, you know, I'm I'm left wing, I'm pro this, I'm anti that. Um, would that be a good way of handling it in South Africa? So if, if the Mail and Garden came out and said, for example, they are pro the middle class uh, fight, uh, whatever that might be, would we then be more satisfied? Because when we read it, we, we know that it's it's being biased towards a certain uh, type of person in South Africa. Well, I, I mean, Pamir K mentioned the Mail and Guardian editorial, right? I would my my question is: Did that editorial stand? which was don't vote for the ANC, did that even influence a single voter? That would be my starting point. Is Does it really matter when they do declare their interest? Does it really matter to public opinion? Because, you know, if, if you buy the Mail and Guardian every week, within a month, within six weeks, you have a pretty clear understanding of what their worldview is, how they feel about social justice, how they feel about corruption how they feel about politics. You can make up your own mind as a consumer, and I think that that's the critical thing to look at. As a consumer, I buy that product. And over time, I get to understand its editorial alignment, its nuance, its bias, whatever you want to call it. And if I don't like it, stop buying it. I'll find another one. Maybe I'll go and buy Built instead. Maybe I buy, maybe I read Umsadenzi online. You know, I mean, I, I think that's the reality. To me, whether they declare it or not, it's there, and you can make up your own mind about what the nuance or the bias or the influence is, and you can read it. You can you can read a particular story or a set of stories, and you either agree and keep buying the newspaper, or you disagree and you go you, you go and find somewhere else. Chris, so take us into the room then. So so you've said that there are different versions of of the truth that need to be told, and your client will decide. On which version they want to be to be most prominent. So take us into the room. Let's take an example. So the DA is mulling over how to control the narrative on the sex scandal. Um, what are the conversations and the tactics that they're using? Um, and you know, are, are they placing calls to journalists? How are they dealing with it? Just give us a sense of how exactly does it move from the truth to the version of the truth that gets promoted the most. And of course, of course, you're not working for them. So this is just your opinion. Yeah. You know. Oh, it's like the most hypothetical question I've ever asked. <laughs> um, 
I, I'd, I'd um, rather be in the in the room next door trying to work out how we get maximum coverage. For this story, <laughs> but uh, but, uh, but I, I mean the tendency, uh, Rory, to answer your question, and when you're in a bit of a crisis like that, you you downplay it as much as possible, and you do it proactively. So I mean, I would imagine that some of those DA leadership people would have been making lots of calls when that email came out. Proactively, so not waiting for journalists to call them, but phoning the journalists and the editors and the news editors and saying, hey, I don't know if you've seen this thing. It's a lot of shit. We've got no idea who wrote it. There's absolutely so, no substance. So you try and psychologically downplay the importance of it as much as possible. You then get as many people to reinforce that message. So not just the people who are named in the emails, but you would get other members of the DA to be doing the same thing, to phone, to talk to their constituents, to talk to local journalists and downplay it as much as possible. That's that's one kind of mechanism that we use is you, you downplay as much as possible. The second thing you try and do is create a diversion. And I think the DA was quite fortunate that the, the I think it was the night um, that the story gradually emerged into South African newspapers, which is on Monday, there was a so-called leadership debate on CakeNet, right? So what that does is it changes the headline slightly. There was also a really good piece on Monday in Business Day by Gareth von Onslen questioning Musi Maimani's view on gay people, on the church, etc., which also changed, helped to change the headline. Now, I'm not saying any, I'm not saying those two things were done deliberately, but, but that's very much the second part of the strategy is try and find, try, try and focus people's attention on other issues. Don't get them to focus too much on this. And the third is, is that I think that within some of the newsrooms, and, and one, one can't say the media is homogenous. I mean, it's very, very diverse, very diverse people making diverse decisions. Within those newsrooms, I think there would be some people who do think that a story about a sex scandal in the DA is a lot less sexy than a story about a sex scandal in the ANC or the EFS. You know, so I think a combination of that if they were going to do it the way the way that I would, that's the way that they would approach the story like that. Now, just quickly before we let you go, Chris, uh, one of the big questions that does surround the South African media is, are they lazy? And by that I mean, you know, they, they love stories just falling on their lap. We've seen it time and time again in Memorial. And so Chris Vick needs something done or wants to influence the media. So he, he literally just writes up a little headline because we know you, you, you can write one or two words uh, between you. And then posts it off and, and then they just take the verbatim. I, I think it's a it's a huge generalization. I think there are some very hard working journalists, lots of very hard working journalists. The reality though is that as in every other profession and every other sector of society, you've got what Gwede Mantash calls the mosquitoes, right? That uh, and the mosquitoes are the ones that you can target. If they're young, if they not that well informed, if they want to get ahead, they're very ambitious, you can work a relationship with a journalist like that you make them look good, you do their work for them, you do all the research and present it to them, and they just replicate it. There are a few like that. And they, to me, are the problem. The ones who are lazy, the ones who take bribes, uh, the ones who just stick a byline on a press release when you send out. They're the problem. They're the ones that the society and the editors need to focus on. Um, but but as I, as I was on, on a show yesterday with a lot more listeners than yours called um, <laughs> Gareth, 
That's it. You're not getting invited wow, again. Wow, thank you. <laughs> that, no, that's the last time you, you invited. Didn't, you didn't bias us at all. Like, you didn't pay us off. No, that's fine. Thank you. No, Take you, your you Maserati somewhere else, big guy. You're being biased. That's your version of the <laughs> truth. It's not, it's <laughs> not the whole of the truth. truth I'm, I'm sticking to it. I've got more retweets than I'm getting today. But what the point I made to Gareth is, is we do live in a society where you've got tr- corrupt traffic cops, you've got corrupt politicians, nurses, school principals who sleep with students to get them a check certificate. You know, I mean, I, I don't think journalists are immune to that. They're not superhuman. They're normal. They are human beings, after all. And they are people like you and I. And, and so you get the mosquitoes, but you also get some amazing journalists. And, 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 and I think that increasingly we need to think as consumers about what we read. You know, we need to, you need to read the byline. You need to read who wrote the story. And over time, you can begin to make up your mind around what kind of journalist is. Is this someone rigorous? Is this someone who replies, relies on faceless sources and brown envelopes? Is it someone who's just a transmission belt for a PR company somewhere? You know, just to be more kind of critical in terms of how we read, what we read, and what the conclusions that we come to about this. It's a very important issue. The, the, the analogy I used yesterday was that we worry about horse meat in our McDonald's, but we don't worry about horse shit in the Sunday Times. And, and you need the same <laughs> level of, of introspection. Just a lot, I don't know how much time you've got, but just, you know, the other... Oh, we've got tons of time is, for you, Chris. I mean, you've been so com- complimentary towards us. So <laughs> as much time as you want, big guy. I'm passive-aggressive. Sorry, I'm sorry. The only, only way I knew how to deal with getting up so early. But the, the other thing to bear in mind, I, I, I did a presentation. Um, I did quite a lot of sessions with journalists in terms of how government works, how policy is made, how the ANC functions, etc. And there's quite a lot of ignorance in terms of just the basic makeup of society, you know, which I which I think is a problem. Um, I, I don't think journalists should necessarily understand every single machination of the parliamentary process, but it would really help if they understand the difference between a cabinet committee, a subcommittee, a cluster, etc., because those all influence the quality or the status of a decision that gets taken. So I, I think that if if journalists were able to do more to build their own understanding of society, that would really help. But the, the last point is, is it's also important to know that the PR industry, what you're calling doctors, reputation management, etc. In the, in the U.S., it's so big now that for every single journalist, you have six PR people, right? The PR industry is six times bigger than the journalism industry. What that means is that journalists, you think you're sending off a smart set of questions to a CEO of a company. Meantime, there's 20 people sitting in that room who know all about your background, who you're sleeping with, where you drank last night, what your strengths and weaknesses are, what kind of stories you write. They go and dig out the facts and they package them in a particular way. The journalists are actually up against a pretty intimidating machine when it comes to interacting with PR companies. And that PR machine is, is not necessarily as ethical as a suit person like me, not necessarily as ethical as, as you guys are. There are some evil people out there and they manage to pull some, some studs. They give you free tickets to the Durban July or they offer to take you and your partner for a sauna. You know, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of tricks that people play. <laughs> a sauna. Beautiful, beautiful. Eh? I'm not that cheap, Chris. Listen, uh, we've un- we unfortunately run out of time. <laughs> I bet you say that to all the boys. You eh? know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Chris, get out of here. Take your Maserati and go enjoy yourself. Uh, I know Parkhurst <laughs> is waiting for you. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here at uh, cliffcentral.com. That's uh, Chris Vick, the overtly political spin doctor. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. You can check him out on Twitter. He is...
rather funny uh, at Chris Vic three. Uh, there was one and two before him. They got taken, but at Chris Vic three is where you can find some of his amazing tweets as well. Raw, where does this leave us? Where do you, I mean, how do you feel about this? It leaves us at a point of, as as consumers of media, to to just keep our eyes open. Chris said it. It's all biased, whether they declare it or they don't. Uh, there is bias in it, so you need to do, you need to make your mind up, um, and not be a passive a passive consumer. What I'm concerned about, though, is that honestly, I, I feel like as South Africans, we are we are very passive about it. We just take what it is, and and we <coughs> run with it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, two really interesting uh, different points of views. The one is is of um, Kay, who's who's very upset by this bias. The other is of Chris, who says the bias is there. I mean, let's let's not kid. Um, you just got to deal with it in your own kind of way. Um, I, I'm I'm worried about Chris because that guy could honestly sell me sell me anything. He could sell me ice cream on a cold day. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very worried about and, that. Guy. And to 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 think that he's being paid enough money to drive a Maserati. Um, it says that, you know, the public reputation and, and opinion is very important, you know. Um, so the problem is not, is not the profession. Um, the issue is how do we consume so we know that it exists? It's, he did not make a secret about the fact that he has this job and this is what he does. The question is when we look at it, then how do we interpret it? And that requires us to be informed about what's happening beyond and, and not just to consume um, to consume just the same sort of diet in terms of news and so on. Make sure that you've got a diverse, a diverse, a diversity in terms of the the media that you consume. And 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 I think the another maybe parting shot is that uh, Chimamanda Adichie, Ngozi Adichie. Uh, mm. There's a great TED talk uh, where she speaks about the single story, and and the power of the single story and how we are so dominated by this single story and perhaps that's what we need to examine for ourselves are we approaching things from a single story point of view or are we really looking at issues from a holistic point of view well that's where we're gonna have to leave it check out the podcast on cliffcentral.com and go to the konza show it is rory shavalala at rory shavalala on twitter or at yebo underscore l-e-v-y thank you to our guests Kay Sekhwale and chris vick uh, we'll be back again next Wednesday, 9 till 10 o'clock. We leave you with uh, these rockers. Uh, and uh, that leads us to the next show as well, Rookies and Rockstars. Have yourself a lovely Wednesday. Ciao, ciao. Change the world. Cliffcentral.com.